Welcome back to the latest episode of the Master None Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Murphy. I'm joined again by uh, Johnny Byrne from uh, Atlantic Sports Podcast. Uh, still on his break at the moment, but Johnny's uh, uh, generously decided to come on here and we can talk about uh, some hoops and some basketball. Johnny, how are you? Good, Stephen. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed being on the last time on, I guess, kind of different circumstances. There was a lot of uh, uncertainty, I yeah. guess, around the return of the NBA the last time we spoke. And now, you know, we've had uh, pretty much the rest of the regular season uh, is over. We're heading into the playoffs. So, yeah, different different circumstances. Yeah, 100%. It's just great to have basketball again back, isn't it? It's just... <laughs> yeah, again, like we don't watch a lot of games live, obviously, because time difference and all that. But it's sure. everything that comes with NBA. Like, you wake up in the morning, you go on Instagram, you see all the highlights, you see the amazing dunks, the amazing play. It just, it's the lifestyle around like watching NBA, which is just fantastic to have back. So <clears throat> I love that personally. But um, yeah, like we're going to talk obviously this evening, obviously uh, NBA basketball. So we'll talk kind of about the bubble, um, you know, what we've liked so far, what we may not have liked, sort of the main storylines, and then obviously with the playoffs starting. Uh, next Monday, uh, we'll get kicked off into that and sort of the playoff picture as it stands and who we who we favour in the matchups and obviously uh, the play-in tournament now that's uh, starting tomorrow, which is exciting. Uh, but yeah, like I think the first thing we have to say, Johnny, is credit to the NBA. They have done a fantastic job with this bubble. And I know compared to other sports like NFL, where you have a lot more teams and a lot more players on a roster and the, the travel is more sort of sparse than it is in, in the NBA, but still they had a job to do. They went, they were proactive with it and they seem to have pulled it off. Yeah, absolutely. There was incredible risk when this was uh, first announced. I mean, a lot of people wanted a return of the season, but I think a lot of leagues, you think of some of like the, the, um, the soccer leagues in particular just decided to suspend things. It just wasn't safe to bring things back. And especially in a country that's so ravaged by this virus, like in America, for them to come up with a, a solution to to create this bubble. I know they've probably had some experts involved in it and stuff. Was, it was genius in hindsight, really. You know, getting them to come uh, quarantine for how many days, um, restrict their movements, but still give them enough freedom so that they, you know, don't go mad in there. And I'm really surprised, Stephen, that we haven't seen more stories of kind of tensions running high or players giving out about the bubble. Mm. You know, players have been really receptive of the environment they're in. And I think there's a, a number of factors that we can talk about as to what the NBA has done for them uh, to kind of allow them to come back, especially not only given the virus, but also given the kind of uh, social injustices happening in America at the time. So, yeah, I think credit credit has to be given to them. They've probably handled it as well as anyone could have expected and the fact that you know we're over 10 days in a row now without any uh, positive tests I think has been fantastic mm. yeah and like you as you said there like everyone bought in which is obviously was a massive part of this they don't you know this doesn't go ahead if everyone is is moving in the same direction so you know credit to everyone involved and you know, as for us as NBA fans, thank God, you know, they did it. Uh, if I was an NFL fan now, I would be, well, don't get me wrong, the NFL's going ahead because, like I said before, there's way too much money involved. But, you know, college football in America, which is massive in America, that looks like it's not going to go ahead. Uh, baseball is all over the place, sort of, you know, who knows what's going to happen with that. So, yeah, as NBA fans, I think we're pretty we're pretty lucky, so... Uh, but yeah, look, as I said, there's been games on every evening, there's been plenty to get stuck into, but I think you'd agree with me in this, the main 
the standout has been this competition for the eighth seed in the West. It has taken sort of a life of itself. And if you had said to anyone a few weeks ago or months ago or years ago that the Phoenix Suns would go 8-0 in, in any stretch of the imagination, uh, I think no one would believe you. But for once, I see hope on the horizon for Phoenix fans. It's great. Yeah, it's, it, it is fantastic. And I, I think it's a great place to start because like, when you think of what the season would have been like at this point if it had gone on as normal, it's, I, I kind of dislike the last kind of 10 to 15 games of the season because a lot of teams kind of know where they are in the playoff picture and there's a lot of tanking goes on then with the lower teams. So the intensity is, is very, very low and a lot of the top teams, the likes of the Lakers or the Clippers, for example, will be fielding you know, a second string teams down the stretch just to try and rest their players before the playoffs but having this kind of play in tournament and having these couple of teams kind of fight for their life as such uh, has really brought the intensity to these last couple of uh, regular season games and I think it's been it was something I wasn't that big of a fan of I was kind of thinking look what's the really point because the eighth seed never really goes anywhere anyway but from what we've seen from like you mentioned Phoenix and Portland uh, you know they've really raised the bar in terms of the the intensity played in these games, and it's such a pity, I guess, for Phoenix to bow out after going eight and zero. Yeah. You know, the, the best team in the bubble, arguably the MVP in the bubble, in Devin Booker, and it's still not enough for them to get in. I'm sure that won't sit well with them, but uh, I mean, you have to think positive things when thinking about the future of the Phoenix Suns. Yeah, for once, like they have a really decent team. Like you have Devin Booker, who's obviously one of the best players in the world right now. You know, you still have, which I forgot they actually signed, and uh, Dario Saric, who's a really good player to have on the team, like especially in modern-day NBA. You have DeAndre Ayton, who's up-and-coming center, who's starting to shoot more trees now, which is, you know, what you need to be doing these days. Um, and Ricky Rubio at the point. Like, you have decent caliber NBA players for once on this squad. Um, and, uh, yeah, they can only take, I know they're going to be disappointed, obviously, to miss this, and people are giving out that, they went eight no and still didn't make it, but you know they obviously be better in the other part of the season, and then you wouldn't have mm. had this issue. But um, mm. yeah, finally hope. But I personally wanted to see them and Portland play off. No disrespect to the Grizzlies, but you know, the Grizzlies are you know they're very jaw heavy, which I understand, and that's you know that's their game plan. But I think we all wanted to see Devin Booker and Damian Lillard just basically both have 50 points and see who, who comes out on top for possibly three <laughs> games. Well, I think they were they were the two front runners. The NBA announced they were given some sort of like, uh, well, I don't know what, the, the kind of end of regular season awards for the games that they have played since they've returned mm. to the bubble, kind of bubble awards. Yeah. And Devin Booker and Damian Lillard were the two front runners, I think, in terms of the, the bubble MVP as such. But the Grizzlies kind of came into this into this last stretch of the regular season with the best odds of making the the, the playoffs, yeah. so it was it was going to be difficult for them to fall out of this kind of playing uh, bracket. And the Portland, I guess you could argue, out of all the teams that were left, you know, San Antonio, the Kings, um, the, all the teams that were left, that they were probably the most talented, and obviously had made the Western Conference Finals last year, which a lot of people forget. So. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but I'm sure, you know, Damian Lillard has made a lot of noise so far in the regular season. I'm sure he won't go out without a fight in these uh, playing games. Yeah, I think you have to give to Lillard if you're going to have a bubble MVP. I think you just have, like Booker's been amazing, don't get me wrong, but 
Lillard's like what 50, 60 and 40 in the last three games mm. like <laughs> single-handedly and all because of Pat Be- Pat Beverly uh, on the bench mocking yeah. him after two and in fairness now like Lillard did absolutely bottle those two free throws I was actually watching that game live and I was shocked mm. when he missed both of those free throws I couldn't get over it the <laughs> commentator curse is always right before he shot them they were like Lillard's been like 88% from the line this season. And then, of course, two clangers off the vacant rim. But uh, since then, he's just been on an absolute rampage. Like, like, just don't piss off Damian Lillard, I think, is basically what we learned from this. Absolutely. I, I want to ask you a question of you in terms of, you said you watch a game live there. And I've, mm. I've watched, I think I've only watched a handful of games live or caught certain quarters, like you mentioned, with the time difference, it can be difficult. It's a little bit more favorable. Now, with the fact that yeah. some games start around four or five o'clock our time, which is great, yeah. but again, then other people have work and you know other commitments. But what, what's your thoughts on the broadcast as a such, in terms of like the, the fans at home, the commentators, the kind of arena music? What have you how have you found the broadcast? I found it actually fine in regards. The only time I found it really off putting is late game moments or big moments in the game where someone has a big dunk or. Uh, mm. someone hits a big shot late on there's no there's no reaction there's no crowd noise that's that's a bit a tad weird because you feel like you feel like in the moment is you're like oh, that moment should have got a massive noise from a fans or a, a full stadium which it doesn't mm. but in regards to normal play you know I actually kind of like hearing the players like, there was a great moment there uh, yesterday actually uh, I seen there's a highlight of it but Damien Litter shoots a ridiculous three uh, and you can hear someone, I don't know if it's from the opposition team or the bench or the coaching staff, but they're like, oh my God. Like they're just, they're just like so <laughs> pissed off that he's just making these shots. So and you you yeah. don't hear that if there's a full crowd. Like, you know what I mean? So there's parts that I, I, I tell you, it's been fairly seamless in, in that regards. But then the big moments, like especially now in the playoffs, if you come down to a game seven uh, and stuff like that, you're really going to miss an atmosphere or, or a crowd like that. But I find it I find it okay so far. What about yourself? Yeah, I think they've made the the most with whatever resources they've had. To be honest, mm. because like it, it's going to be incredibly hard to recreate the the end of game moments. And of course, you know, they're, they're all, you can always do better in these situations. But for what they have, you know, bringing in the virtual fans, I think was a unique thing that I hadn't seen in any other sports. A lot of uh, mm. like the Premier League, for example, had kind of cardboard cutouts and stuff in the in, in the stands, which I think pales in comparison to what they've done here. So. <laughs> yeah, it's more of a 1990s <laughs> solution than a 2020 yeah. solution. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Those, but it's those great screens yeah, no, it's fantastic because being able to see certain family members of players join in on the on mm. the Zoom, I guess, or in, in the crowd. And uh, I've seen Shaquille O'Neal pop up in two or three games yeah. as well, make cameo appearances, yeah. which has been gas. So yeah, you have to. It's it's been pretty similar, I guess, to a live experience. But as you mentioned, yeah, you know, you just can't replace it. Yeah, a hundred percent. But again, yeah, you're right. Well, what they've had, well, what they have, they've done pretty well. But I think sure. well, it's interesting now the playoffs if the because I think, you know, I think it definitely impacts players. Like, LeBron made a good point. Like, he hasn't played without a crowd since he was probably, like, 12, maybe. And even then, probably had a crowd. So, I'm sure it does. I'm sure people, players, you know, use that atmosphere to for energy and for motivation. So, it'd be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. That's why I think, like, we're going, to go, we're going to go through the playoff matches later on. But, you know, nothing would surprise me in these playoff matches. Like, upsets, I think, are going to happen because the fact, like, 
you know, home advantage is gone. There is no home away anymore. It's all in Orlando. So, you know, I think everything's up for grabs here and I'm really looking forward to it. But um, I think as well, like, another major talking point uh, from this is sort of the Lakers and the Clippers. I say it's struggling, but definitely not uh, playing to their potential. And the Lakers, I can see, obviously, once they grabbed that one seed and it wasn't in the question anymore, definitely took the foot off the gas. But even before that, they were like one of the lowest teams when it came to offensive rating. And the Clippers definitely a couple of surprise losses. And they should have lost that Blazers game too. Um, what do you think, kind of, what's, what's causing that, do you think? Yeah, it's an interesting one because I think even you look in the Eastern Conference and the Bucks, I think what they have something like a three and seven record or something for these uh, 10 games or whatever. So it's funny to see some of these kind of top teams underperform as such coming back into the into the fold. But I, I don't think I'd be too worried about it. I think, you know, with the Clippers, I guess you can kind of view them in a separate light. The Clippers had the whole thing with Lou Williams, uh, you know, going out for wings and the selfie being taken and that uh, absolute uh, rat <laughs> posting it <laughs> yeah, to social yeah. media, which I'd yeah. be very annoyed if I was Lou Williams. But, um, you know, he's barely... Uh, played any decent minutes in, in the end of this regular season. Um, they've missed Montrose Harrell as well. They've mm. also rested uh, Kawhi as much as they would have during the regular season. They've actually applied loads of management to him coming back in a lot of games. He's rested too. So, I mean, they haven't had the full strength of their roster, the Clippers. As regards the Lakers then, we haven't really seen the best of LeBron either. Um, you know, his statistics haven't really been up to scratch with what he has been doing in the regular season. Um and they've a number of kind of new faces as well that they are kind of have to try and blend into the team like Dion Waiters who's been putting up a, a decent minutes coming off the bench they have to try and integrate him and uh, I, I really think it's it's just a case of the weirdness of returning after so many months off that we kind of have to reserve the right to, to say that these teams are going to be a bit different to what we've seen them in February or March and that's the reality of it. Yeah, I think, I, you know, I think LeBron does have that switch where he can, you mm. know, he's one of the few players that can just flick it on and, you know, he's LeBron again. But it'll be interesting to see, yeah, like the like Kawhi and like PG has looked good um, yeah, in yeah. in this bubble, but they still have that, I, I don't know, Philadelphia Clippers have that sort of like Dwayne Wade in, Maya, or in Miami with LeBron, like who's the, who's the guy, like late game, who's the ball going to, you know, like, Miami struggled in 2011 because of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you need to, after that, then it became LeBron's team and they went on to win two championships. You need to define, unfortunately, in NBA, it's just one of those sports that you need to define who's the guy, like who's the go-to guy late situations. And the Clippers, I don't think, have decided that yet. So mm-hmm. maybe this the playoffs now they will, but at the moment, the hot hand is definitely Paul George. Uh, you know, he's been... He'd start one game with like four trees in a row, and I was like, "Oh my god, he's gonna have 50. He didn't in the end, but he was mm-hmm. like, just everything he looked at, he was making. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see. I think they have to sort that out pretty, uh, pretty quickly, or else because they're going up against the Mavs and my boy Luca, which I'll get onto later on. But big fan of Luca, uh, <laughs> and I'm hoping he's going to cause some upsets there. But um, yeah, you said uh, Giannis and the, the books. The books look, they, they still look good though. Like Giannis is just unstoppable when he wants to be. Um, I think as well, well, we'll take it this time. Now. We'll go through maybe the uh, NBA season awards just to see if we align up on those, if, if you don't mind. Sure, uh, we'll sure. start obviously with the, the MVP. So uh, give us your MVP there, Johnny, and I'll see if I agree or disagree. Um, 
my MVP is is Giannis, and to be honest, I think the the pendulum was swinging towards LeBron, and I think it was more a narrative driven uh, case yeah. for LeBron in terms of his age and what he has do, done with the Lakers. And I I think he's a clear second in voting, but I think for the intensity that Giannis brings night in night out, and it's even seen in this short portion of regular season where there's games that the Bucks don't need to win. Giannis is still going out there and putting in an intense 30 minutes a night uh, when there's absolutely no need. He's just a competitor. And, you know, he's headbutting book... people. That's how intense <laughs> yeah. he is. The Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards, <laughs> yeah. the worst team in the it. Worst and Giannis is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just sums it up. Like, so uh, yeah, Giannis is I mine. love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I was hoping you were going to say LeBron James there. I was going to disagree with you. But yeah, no. uh, it's, it's Giannis. I don't even think it's that close. Uh, mm. Apart from assists, like, Giannis leads every statistical category. Mm-hmm. If you take Giannis off the books, compared to if you take LeBron off the Lakers, I think there's quite the difference. And don't get me wrong, LeBron is uh, an amazing player. I'm not a LeBron hater. I, I'd have him second um, mm-hmm. on this list as well. But I think I think Giannis has just been too good this year. He's just unfortunately for LeBron, Giannis is he's starting to come into his prime yet. He's not even in his prime yet, which is very scary. But he's, you know, he's just in that form now where LeBron was at the same age, and he's just too physically gifted, unfortunately, for the rest. Of it. Yeah. Like I was watching a game, he just spins to the rim and dunks. He can do it nearly any time he wants. It's just like silly. Incredible. At this stage. Mm. It's just like why, why we even bother playing against him? It just seems insane. <laughs> um, the rookie of the year. Let's see again. What? What? what give us your, uh, your top there. Um, I, I don't really think it's much of a contest because of the games played. I do think that a lot of these awards are earned on kind of consistency and, you know, there's a certain threshold in my eyes in terms of a minimum of games played. And I think it has to be at least 56. Um, and obviously Zion Williamson is nowhere near 56 games. Unfortunately for him, you know, he obviously, I think in a different world would have ran away with this, but it's Jamarant for me. Yeah, I agree. People saying Zion, he just hasn't played enough. Nope. If I had to pick which one I'd rather have on my team, I'd pick Zion. I think mm-hmm. he's the better player. But Ja is a brilliant player. He's he's uh, he's more uh, technically, I'd say, gifted or technically better player than Zion is. But Zion's just a force of nature. There's mm-hmm. no getting around that. So, yeah, I agree with you completely there. Again, um, ja, should, ja should win that, but... It wouldn't surprise me if if uh, Zion wins that one. Uh, I think we'll go defensive player of the year. Now this is a pretty contested one. I I would say compared to the other two, but the the finalists are obviously Giannis, you've Anthony Davis, and then you've Rudy Gobert. Um, what what's your opinion on this one? It's a tough one. I think it's a toss up between Anthony Davis and and Giannis for me because I don't know whether it's the bias of seeing Rudy Gobert. What I think he's won the last two. Is it last two defensive players? Yeah, he's yeah. I think so. I think last two. Um, and both Giannis and Anthony Davis have the kind of uniqueness where you know they will try and contest every single shot, whether it's you know in and around the paint or you know they're guard, they're switched onto a guard and they're trying to stop the three pointer. So, um. In ter- I probably it's really a toss up to me to be honest. I could flip a coin and pick one or the other. So I'll for the sake of it, I'll just go with Anthony Davis. But I wouldn't mind either. Yeah, I can. I know what you mean. Um, defensive player of the year, it's never one that excites me, unfortunately, because you know no. the defense side of the ball isn't as exciting as uh, the, the offense side of the ball. But look, I, I'm yeah, I'd be happy enough to give it to Davis. He's come into the Lakers in his first season, and he really has you know played extremely well. He's dominated in a lot of games. Um, you know, when LeBron, he's definitely 
LeBron seems to have taken a step back to allow Davis to do that. Um, Giannis, again, he contests, as you said, he's contesting everything. He cares. He's Every night he's bringing 100%. So uh, I give it to Giannis just so that we could be uh, different on one of them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's uh, the next one then is uh, sixth man of the year. Uh, obviously, your, your finalist here is Montrez Harrell from the Clippers. You have Dennis Schroeder from the OKC. And then Lou Williams, who is fastly coming up on uh, 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 Jamal Crawford for most six man the year awards at this stage. But uh, who do you think here? I think uh, it's uh, Lou Williams hasn't really had the kind of six man seasons of old here. I think it's kind of again it could be just the case of this man has won it so many times that you know he you have to outperform the season before and you know to be considered. But I think it's his teammate uh, Montrezl Harrell that you know I've probably watched more Clippers games than 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 Thunder games, but. You know, he seems to me more like more than a sixth man. I think a sixth man, the the epitome of a sixth man is, you know, it's somebody that pretty much could start on, you know, the twenty or the twenty nine other teams. But just in this situation, it works best for him to come off the bench. And I think Lee Williams is somebody that you could describe as being that type of player the last couple of seasons. I think Montrezl Harrell as well. You know, on this Clippers team, it just suits for him in this current rotation to come off the bench, but he's a starting caliber player and uh, even just watching some of the Clippers games uh, in the, over the last couple of weeks, the absence of him is, is very, very notable. The physicality that he brings to that team. Uh, so I'd probably give, give it towards him. So that's, you're going with Montrez? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I think... Uh, I, uh, when watching these Sixers or Clippers games, sometimes they can lack energy. And I think Montrez comes on and he totally just gives you that. He just gives you energy, gives you pace, toughness. He's, you know, in a cliche NBA way, they call him, he's a dog. Do you know what I mean? Like he just loves yeah. it, uh, loves the competition. So I, I'd agree with you there. I think he just brings what you want in a six man off the bench. Like Lou Williams is a better player. Lou Williams is, uh, you know, much more skill of a player. But if you're down... 10 and you want someone to come on just to really ramp the pace I think you you know Montrez is going to impact you more there than Lou uh, personally mm-hmm. uh, most improved player which I, Ben uh, Adebayo from the Miami Heat's on this you got Brandon Ingram from the Pelicans and Luka Doncic from the Dallas Mavericks I, Brandon Ingram and Luka Doncic shouldn't be on this I don't think they are already two mm-hmm. fairly established players at this stage um, they wouldn't meet my criteria for this personally but um, what do you think about this? It was interesting because obviously uh, Doncic reacted to it in a post-game interview and said that, or either post-game interview or could have tweeted it, but said that Devontae Graham should have taken his place, mm. which is you know the, the exact kind of caliber of player. When you see his yeah. numbers jump up, it's made kind of historic uh, statistical records how he's points per game and you know all the, all the rest of it has just jumped dramatically so you know he would be in there for me if he was being uh, nominated but I think personally it's, it's Bam Adebayo for his performance both ends on the floor Um, I really think you know like you said there it's Brandon Ingram and Luka Doncic you know established players before this season I think Ingram probably taken a bit more of a surprise jump this year than I think we all expected Doncic to progress no matter what, so Bam Adebayo, I think, is 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 my winner because he just epitomised it. He was he was a bench kind of big man that you know a lot of people had thought he had good potential in, but I don't think anyone expected him to be you know an all star. I don't think anybody expected him to be. I think he was an all star, wasn't he? Um, 
I can't think of it. I'm ninety percent sure, but I'll check that up while you're talking. But I, yeah. I, I, I just think for what he's brought to that Miami Heat team, you know, a lot of people could have argued it was just Jimmy, Jimmy Butler, and a lot of role players on that team. But Bam Adebayo was, you know, the clear number two option on that, and defensively, uh, he has got it down so early into his career. Yeah, I, I agree. I think the, the definition for me for this award always has been it's someone I didn't know existed last year that I do now. That's pretty much the criteria for me. Uh, and Bam Adebayo is, is that player. Like Doncic is already like, well, to me, he's one of the best players in the league already. Ingram, I think, is fastly on. Like, he's on that track already. Uh, I seen a few of the games tonight, and there's a lot of Kevin Durant in him. He's like, he's long, rangy, uh, and he's got an amazing shooting touch. So I think to be on these lists is a bit silly. So I think this one is the, yeah, it's Bam Adebayo. Um, Coach of the year, then. Um, this is a this is a really actually tightly contested one because all have done fantastic jobs. But you've Mike Budenholzer from the Bucks, you've got Billy Donovan from OKC, and then Nick Nurse from the Raptors. So interesting to hear your take on this one. Yeah, this is a tough one. I think um, there was could it have been the Players Association or there was some sort of awards a week or two ago that gave this as a joint award to Budenholzer and Billy Donovan. And I think a lot of people felt that Nick Nurse was kind of wronged in that decision. And mm. a lot of people are very heavy on Nick Nurse. And I can see why, because, you know, the Raptors, without Kawhi Leonard, have essentially put up a regular season record pretty comparable to what they did last year. And, you know, for there were a lot of new kind of assets that they've really blended into the rotation uh, well this year. Uh, but I'd probably give to Mike Budenholzer just because you know, he's managing to get the number one seed in the in the East again. I just look at that team and I I obviously look at the Raptors and the Thunder and I think very well coached teams, but I look at the books and it's just the perfect system uh, around Giannis. And I think it takes a really talented coach to do that. Uh, and especially looking at the likes of Brooke Lopez obviously can space the floor and give a bit more room for, for Giannis. But defensively this year, Brooke Lopez has come on leap and bounds uh, as well. So some of the progression, I guess, of some of their players from last year to this year and some of the bench pieces that are coming in, I think it's just an incredibly well-coached team. And uh, I'd have to give it to, to Mike Budenholzer. We finally disagree on one. Thank God. <laughs> uh, I'm going with Billy Donovan. OKC right. was supposed to be crap this year. And they're, they're a fifth seed. Or fourth seed, sorry. They're even number four. Uh, like you already had, like the, rock, or the Raptors, don't get me wrong, losing Kawhi is obviously massive. But they still had the guts of a good team there. They won the championship last year. Um, they still had, you know, it's a good system. The, the Bucks again, they already were a good team. Um, don't get me wrong, they're, they're two great teams. Um, now, because and I'm not taking that away from them, but the OKC were, you know, they were due to miss this playoffs by a mile, and they're, mm -hmm. you know, they're in the 14th. So I think you have to reward that personally. So that's why I've gone with them. Um, but I'm glad we disagreed on one. Though. I think it's just <laughs> we're just two knowledgeable guys, Johnny. You know, <laughs> that's just probably <laughs> it's the, only natural. It's only uh, natural. Yeah, exactly. If well, we could do the Skip Bayless thing and be like. You know, Luka Doncic <laughs> is the most improved player of all time, but we're not doing that. Uh, no. We don't do that here. Oh. Um, we'll talk about I think before we get on to the the the, of the playoffs, we'll talk about the, the you know the, the play-in tournament, uh, Blazers and Grizzlies. So uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but, but the Blazers just have to win one, and the Grizzlies have to beat them twice. I think um, is the way it goes because the, the Blazers are the eight seed currently, uh, whereas the Grizzlies is nine. Okay. So. 
if the Grizzlies win tomorrow night, they still have to win again. Whereas the Blazers win tomorrow night, it's over, and the Blazers are the eighth seed. Um, so credit, you know, credit the Blazers. They, you know, they won mm. the last ten, last ten games. They've won seven and three, so they have to be rewarded with that. Whereas the Grizzlies are three and seven in their last ten. So, um, mm-hmm. the the Grizzlies definitely limping home there in the last couple of games. But, um. What do you? Who do you fancy in that? Then do you fancy the Blazers to to just be too much? Yeah, like I've I've kind of uh, watched more Portland than I have the Grizzlies, um, only because I kind of expected the Grizzlies to kind of sail into that, kind of hold on to that eight seed, just given there were a couple of games ahead of the next place team, but they really haven't had a great stretch now in the in the last bit of the regular season. I don't think Jam Morant has been. Uh, fantastic uh, I think we've seen the likes of Jaron Jackson Jr and uh, Dylan Brooks really step up uh, on their end of things but it's really hard to look away from Portland at this stage especially when you mentioned the stipulations that the Grizzlies have to win two of those games and mm. Portland you know obviously have to win one you know at, at the rate that Damian Lillard's going because you know when Damian Lillard is going as he is he's double teamed uh, and rightfully so you know you have to try and stop him but that opens up uh, the options for for Yusuf Nurkic it opens up the the shooting for CJ McCollum um, and Gary Trent Jr. as well. I think he's averaging the the second most three points made in the bubble at the moment, which is crazy because Gary Trent Jr. is a player I don't think I'd even heard of before yeah. <laughs> the bubble. He's a candidate for a most improved next year if we keep continuing yeah. on this. <laughs> <coughs> if there was a bubble most improved, he'd be yeah, in exactly. Yeah, um, so. To be, you can't look away from Portland in my eyes, especially with the way Damian Lillard's playing, the leadership he's shown on that team. Um, it just seems like the Grizzlies are too young and too inexperienced to go up against a team like Portland. Well, what do you think? Who do you have? Yeah, I, I, I can't believe you mentioned the Portland Trailblazers and you didn't mention Mello. Come on, man. <laughs> Mello's about the fifth, up, fifth or sixth he's option back. on that team. He's back, baby. He's back. <laughs> I'm wearing my New York, my Knicks t-shirt and everything for him. Uh, hey. uh, yeah, I agree. I think they, they've been fantastic to watch. I really have enjoyed watching them. They're like, they have so many options that Nurkic coming back has just been massive for them. He's, mm-hmm. he's been really good. Like, he looks in great shape. He looks like he looks interested. He looks you know, competitive. He looks like he wants to get stuck in. So, yeah, I think, yeah, like, if you have Carmelo Anthony as your fourth or fifth option, then my God, you're not in a bad position. You know what I mean? I like I'm, but I'm not the biggest Carmelo Anthony fan overall. I think he's his career has been a tad overrated in some areas, but the man can shoot a ball if he needs to shoot. You know, if he's in a position to shoot the ball. Um, CJ McCollum gets so overlooked as well. Like he's rarely gets a shot blocked. He seems to always find space. Um, I think I think they have a really good chance. Well, I think I think they're going to dispatch Grizzlies in one. Um, that'll go up against the Lakers and I think they could cause them seriously serious trouble uh, but we'll start with the Eastern Conference in the playoffs uh, we'll get to the, the West in the first so obviously uh, we have the Bucks versus the Magic uh, at the moment there is some games left today so if anything changes um, I don't think this will but if anything does change oh well, this definitely won't change because Washington are stinky stinky poo poo as a team so um, this is definitely locked in but I think the big question here for Orlando is how do you stop Yes. Who's gonna do that? I mean, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like it's, it's yeah, I know it's impossible. It's it's looking like you know, arguably 
you're probably going to have Nikola Vucevic on him, and Vucevic is not really known uh, for his defensiveness. Yeah. He's kind of, he's kind of well-rounded player, Vucevic, but you know you're going to have Vucevic on him. You're going to have Aaron Gordon on him, who has improved defensively this year. It's it's safe to say, but that Magic team, I think, are just too underprepared for a team as well coached as the Bucks, and yeah. um, it's it there's really not much. I think is a clean sweep for me, although. Yeah. Having said that, let's not forget the uh, the Magic and Raptors series of last year when we had the DJ Augustine game, uh, where they took a game off them and yeah. shocked and the world. He's been good again. He's been good this year. He's been really, mm. you know, sprightly. But yeah. I think yeah, the Magic need a big series from Aaron Gordon. I, you know, they go as far as he goes, basically. Yeah. Um, and there's no doubting him on the offensive side, as you said. He can have some good games, but it's yeah, it's how do you slow down? No, Jonathan Isaac. Yeah, exactly. It's a big body you can throw at. You know, it's, a lot of it is just trying to get in Giannis's way to try and slow him down if he wants to kick it out. But then the problem is when he does pass, he's got Chris Middleton, he's got Kyle Korver, you know, Eric Bledsoe, you know, Lopez. They're all, you know, they can all shoot the ball, which is what you want around a player like Giannis. Uh, yeah. And I agree. I think this is this is probably the easiest series of the entire first round. Uh, I think this is a sweep as well. Absolutely. But who knows? You uh, no. prove us wrong, Orlando. Prove us wrong. <laughs> uh, the next one then is Raptors Nets. So two seven seed. Yeah, like the Raptors again. Like they've totally surprised me this year. I, no one expected them. You know, after losing Kawhi last year, I know it's only one player, but uh, you know, arguably one of the best the best player in the league last year. To lose him, they needed someone else to step up and you know, kind of give that production. Uh, and that was Pascal Siakam this year. You know, averaging twenty three points and eight rebounds. That's Kawhi numbers. Uh, you still have Kyle Lowry, who's the leader of this team and had some big playoff moments last year. And who's to say he won't replicate that this year again? Um, the, have you been? I'm sure, like you, me, you were surprised just how good they are this year. I, I, it was something I called last year, and it's I'll you know I don't often uh, backtrack on my words because <laughs> most most of the time I I get it wrong. But I really did feel the Raptors would be good this year, uh, and I know losing Kawhi was a big thing for them, uh, especially in playoff matches. But I think regular season they kept the core of what they had last year, which was a championship winning team. And you know under Nick Nurse, you know obviously there was some question marks in terms of their bench rotation and you know who they're going to draft. But some players have really stepped up for them, like Chris. Boucher is, you know, a great presence in the paint and has been a great rotation player for them. The return of OG Ananobi, who they didn't have last year, who obviously showed a great promise in his rookie season, um, has been a really important player for them this year. And obviously the the offense general of of, of Kyle Lowry and as you mentioned Pascal Siakam kind of taken the 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 lead guy role. Um, uh, but I think that this whole season nearly is, uh the player that stood out for me is Fred Van Fleet uh, because in what I mattered most against the Golden State Warriors in the, in the finals last year was Fred Van Fleet that was sinking the three pointers. And I haven't really forgotten that. And, you know, he's kind of gone from a sixth man of the year kind of candidate for last year to, you know, a really effective uh, starting shooting guard there. And, and I think he averages some of the, uh, the most minutes out of anyone in uh, in the league. So, you know, I've re- been really impressed with his play, his three point shooting, um, and yeah, I think it's it's uh, to credit to Nick Nurse and obviously to the system that he's created. But uh, I would <laughs> put my hand up and say I wasn't surprised to see him do so well this year. Yeah, no, I, I definitely was. Well, I thought well, I thought they'd make the playoffs and all that, but 
I didn't see this. I didn't see this coming just because of, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, there's always a hangover after winning the trophy or winning the season, winning the championship, and after losing then your best player, it's even tougher. So, um, but the Nets then as well. The Nets have also surprised me because the Nets are missing. You know, just 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 Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. You know, nothing major. <laughs> Even DeAndre Jordan. Just you know, these kind of players, uh, and they're still competitive. Like Chris Levert has just become star in the making. Like he's ready to make a leap. I think. And like even last night against the Blazers, he had 37 points. And like I was watching the highlights of it, and it's like it's it's not your Lillard pulling up from 40 feet. It's not your Steph Curry kind of. You know, it's not amazing highlight. It's just simple basketball where he's. He's going to the rim and he's like herky-jerky kind of movements, but it works. And can you imagine this team with a Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving? These are this is an Eastern Conference contending team with those players. So they're going to give the Raptors trouble, but I think overall the Raptors just have a bit too much. And I think they're too much of a just too much of a unit, uh, like a, the synergy and all that uh, of just playing together for so long with that good system. I think they're just going to have too much for the Nets. But I'd say like a. Four, I'm going to go 4-1. I think the Nets will take a game off them. I'm in agreement. I've actually kind of pre-written down my um, how I think these series will go, and I've written down 4-1 as well. And mm-hmm. I think you mentioned there the Phoenix Suns, arguably the best team or the surprise team in the bubble. It's been the Brooklyn Nets for me because I was just fascinated that this team was able to stay somehow intact uh, without Kyrie Irving. You mentioned Kevin Durant. Uh, not forget obviously Spencer Dinwiddie as well he would mm. probably outside of Karis Levert is their, their best player best option and also Torian Prince and DeAndre Jordan so you know that's the guts of what could be probably their starting lineup um, just gone uh, before they even come yeah. to Orlando and some of these players I never heard of like uh, Chris Chioza who's been playing the point guard for them been impressed with him Dante Hall who squared up to uh, I think he squared up to Giannis I won't say that's typical Giannis though um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Giannis, just, Giannis is just an angry guy I don't yeah. know what it is <laughs> don't want to pick a fight with him but Timothy no, Luau uh, <laughs> Timothy Luau Cabro as well just an absolute like a role player, like 12th man in the rotation of most teams. And he's been really impressive in the bubble. So I just credit to the Brooklyn Nets coach. And I've been so surprised they've even been able to hang in games, but they've even given teams really tough, tough games. And for us to even think they're going to take a, a game off Toronto, I think is a credit to uh, what they've done in the bubble. So fair play. Yeah. yeah. The names you listed there for that team are like, you know, the generic names on NBA 2K games. It's basically <laughs> yeah. what you do. You know, if you had told me that a few months ago, I'd have been like, yeah, that's just generic names. But no, they are starting NBA players for the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I agree. Next one then, next one would have been a really good series, I think. And it still might be, but this is obviously Celtics and 76ers uh, obviously taking a massive hit as Ben Simmons is out. But an interesting little storyline now is if the Sixers do well without him, they need to trade him. They have to because mm. it's not working with Embiid and him. It's just not. They're just, unfortunately, Simmons. I like Simmons. I think he's a really good player, but he just can't shoot. And that's you know tough to play with then as if you're a big man as well because the pain is packed. But I think it's a nice little storyline there will, will start to emerge if the Sixers even win two games uh, or possibly even three, then the Sixers have to make moves. But I was watching Embiid there recently. It was actually against the Wizards. So take that with a pinch of salt. But 
the the Wizards were up and the Wizards were the moment had the momentum and there were a few points up and B came in the fourth quarter and just shut it down. He was really impressive. And I'm not the biggest fan of Embiid. Like he spends way too much time on the floor for a big man than he should. He just seems to be always like falling down, which I don't know what that is about. But he just came in. He got to where he wanted to on the floor. He made some big shots. He just changed the whole like the, the aspect of the game. And then the Sixers went on to win a big game. Not a big game, but if you're losing to the, six, the, the Washington Wizards, that's a bad loss. Uh, and Embiid just totally changed that. So, uh, what, what's your kind of predictions for this series? Yeah, as a Boston Celtics fan now, I oh, uh, yeah. I'm pretty happy that Ben Simmons is out. Uh, <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> I'm a bit disappointed in another way because I think it would have been a great test for them. You know, really to see a full strength 76ers team against against Boston, but um, you, you know, it's just a pity when you see a player of that caliber uh, miss out. And obviously, I think you, you put it put it well there that it's going to be a real test to see if the 76ers can survive without Ben Simmons. And if they do, you know, there will be a lot of talk about trading them because, you know, this was a, a team and a roster and a starting five that I think a lot of people would have thought would win out the East this year. Uh, and they've been far from that. Uh, they've really, really underperformed. And they just have that weird energy about them that on any given night, they can win a game because they just have, the, you know, such a strong starting five. But now they are going to move Al Horford into the starting rotation. And Horford hasn't played that well with Embiid. But what Horford does do is space the floor better than than Ben Simmons. And he can shoot the three. And I know that from being a Boston Celtics fan. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So at least that opens up uh, something for Embiid and uh, they now have Sheik Milton at the point guard who you know has been an important asset for them in terms of shooting the three as well just more guys that can space the floor but ultimately when you think of Boston you just see how well rounded they are both ends of the floor defensively they've been very good this season Uh, offensively Jason Tatum has taken a huge huge leap um, and you know is clearly the you know the number one option on this team despite being on a team with the likes of Gordon Hayward and and Kemba Walker so as long as Kemba Walker stays healthy as long as they can kind of narrow down the rotation to seven or eight core players because I think they've kind of you know experimenting with bringing on you know certain players in certain positions once they can figure that out I think uh, it's Boston series to lose so I have them winning 4-2. Yeah I think what you said there were the Sixers were the same energy where they can win any game any given night it's the same energy that they can have an absolute implosion as well where they could be up 15 and then totally just you know self-explode, self-explode and then that's it game over so uh, I agree I think it's going to be 4-1 I think Embiid's going to unless Embiid goes crazy in this series which is possible um, he's that he has that potential but I just can't see them stringing four quarters together regularly enough that they actually take games. I think, you know, the Celtics, as you said, they're consistent. They're not going to make too many mistakes. They're just a well-rounded basketball team. They're going to put together four four quarters regularly, where I don't think the Sixers will. So I think they're going to be 4-1. Tight enough for some games, but 4-1 all the same. Next, we have Heat versus Pacers, a.k.a. the Jimmy Buckets versus TJ Warren show. Let's be honest, who else really cares about this series if it wasn't for them too? Uh, TJ Warren, like, where did this come from? This is just ridiculous. This is just, I, this is one of the things with the bubble. This, this heat, this, like, hot streak would not have been, wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for bubble. There's no way TJ Warren is doing this, I don't think, without, like, these like, different scenarios. I think he definitely benefits from the lack of crowd. He benefits from the fact that 
these arenas are like basically practice gyms instead of actually like proper arenas. Um, it's just madness. But I don't know what. Give us your kind of in depth. What, what do you think about this series? I I actually think that's my favorite series. Uh, really? Yeah, this is my favorite it's season. I, I, for competitiveness <laughs> or what? Just yeah, I think it'll be a close series. I do favor the Heat, but um, I just think it's an, a pretty even matchup, and you know. A lot of people, I think, have given up on the Pacers once uh, DeMontis Sabonis left the bubble or wasn't going to participate in it. And I think they're, you know, they're right to think that in ways. But, you know, they've got that kind of dog in them uh, with the likes of TJ Warren and the performances just shown. I agree. I think it's a bit of a streak more so than a long-term thing to think, oh, TJ Warren's yeah. going to be a 30 points per night player. I don't think anyone's thinking that. But no. uh, TJ Warren on, on the... TJ yeah, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, as that's long all as he that matters. Does, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I've been really impressed with the Heat uh, in this in the bubble uh, and their depth, and I think they're a fanta- fantastic three point shooting team with Duncan Robinson. Who, uh, you know, I didn't watch much of the Heat during the regular season. Uh, didn't really think that it was going to be their year, but. I kind of have a dark horse in the East and the West and the Miami Heat are my dark horse in the East from what I saw from them because they're really well coached. They're really, really good defensively. Mm. A lot of young talent, but a good mix of young talent and veterans because you have, obviously, as I mentioned, the Tyler Heroes, Duncan Robinsons, Bam Adebayos on one end, a Kendrick Nunn as well. And then you have the more experienced, the likes of Jay Crowder, Goran Dragic and Andre Godala who have, you know, the playoff experience. So I really think they can beat any team in the Eastern Conference on on, on any given night and I, I genuinely mean that and I think this series in particular they might lose a game or two so I'll probably have them win in 4-2 but I just really like this series because we're getting to see playoff Jimmy Butler and uh, if, if last year's entered to go by he ran the Raptors as close as anyone so yeah I, I'm not as high as you are on the heat I think um I just think that I don't think any other team fears them like they would when it comes to say like a Bucks or a Toronto or even a Boston. Um, I don't know why. I just I just feel like that. But you're right. Like Jimmy Jimmy uh, Butler, I'm not his biggest fan, especially when it comes to off the court stuff. But no one denies that like he does love a big moment and he does seem to play his best stuff when it counts the most. So. Um, and I agree with the Pacers. You know, it should be a competitive series, but um, I'll, I'll say this will go to seven games. Sure, why not? Uh, I have no like real dog in this fight. I don't have particularly like any of the players or anything like that. So uh, I'll go with seven games in this. But I think the Heat just have a little bit. Yeah, I think they have a little bit too much for the Pacers. But um, after that, after this round, I think that their race will be run. But look at um, you can come on the podcast and gloat if they do uh, go on to do great things. Uh, so that's just a recap of the East. I think we we agreed on all the the four uh, series. I think we have the Bucks, obviously, pretty much dismantling the Magic fairly easily. Uh, Raptors to beat the Nets. Uh, I said four one. I think you agreed, didn't you? Four one. Celtic Sixers. I said four one. I think you said four two in favor of the Celtics. And then Heat Pacers. I've said it's going all the way to the magical. The best two words in sports. Game seven. Uh, and you're happy with the Heat four two. I think you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, four two. Move on to the the West, which I think we is definitely the more uh, exciting side of the of the of the conferences when it comes to the playoff matchups and the actual teams involved. And uh, obviously, the first matchup will obviously be the Lakers versus either the Blazers, or the Grizzlies. I think we both agree that we we assume it's going to be the Blazers. Uh, 
um, because of the fact that they have to only win one game. But this is, if it is Lakers Blazers, which I hope it is, is going to be an exciting, exciting game, a certain series, just because of you've got so much firepower on both sides of the ball. Um, like the the, the the Lakers before the bubble, like when the actual regular season, they looked amazing. The bubble, obviously, they're taking a step back, but. You know, LeBron leading the league in assists for the first time, but AD, I did some uh, stats uh, looking up there. So this is the, the categories where Anthony Davis leads LeBron in the regular season. So he's got, obviously, more points per game. He's got a better field goal percentage overall. He shoots more free throws. He makes more free throws at a better percentage. He's got more rebounds, more steals, and more blocks. So that obviously isn't, like... No, that's normal for Anthony Davis, but not when LeBron James is on the team. LeBron definitely has taken a step back in probably, you know, in the thought of let's preserve the body, which is totally understandable. Um, but that's why another reason why I didn't think the MVP case was real for LeBron because of that. Like, LeBron arguably wasn't the best player on his team this year. If you go by stats, I think he was, and he is by far the better player. But when it comes to MVP awards, I think that's what really has gone against him. Um, but there's no doubt about the Lakers. They're not as stacked as uh, a Clippers are, uh, but there's no doubt about they are top-heavy when it comes to... You've got Anthony Davis, you've got LeBron James, you've got all these really good role players. I know, like, Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith, but again, the, the benefits of having players like that is that they think they're the best player on the court, uh, and that then it does lead to making good shots. Um, you know, you've got Danny Green, who's a fantastic role player, uh, the Caruso, which I'm a big fan of, Alice Caruso, bit like love him, uh, but again, he's an impact player off the bench. He does bring speed, he brings energy, he makes, he can make shots. He can, uh, you know, we love the highlights of the putback dunks. But players like that are what energizes a team if they are down, say, eight or nine points. So seeing someone like that make a great play, it will energize them. Even LeBron, you see him on the bench when he makes those plays, he gets, you know, he gets hyped for them. So you do need those players. And obviously, when you have LeBron and AD, you can afford to have these sort of small role players around them. Um, the Blazers, as I said, I think they have they have enough firepower to cause them real trouble. And this one, I think, will go six. But I think the Lakers will win 4-2. Four 4-2. Two. Four two. Interesting. If I'm a Lakers fan, I think I would be very happy to have the Portland Trailblazers as a matchup in the first round because from what I've seen from the Lakers in this kind of uh, in the bubble uh, I feel like they've lacked a bit of firepower um, and I think they've been a bit defensively disorganised I think we haven't seen obviously we mentioned the best of LeBron and I, th- I think they need a bit of a wake up call and I think if they were to go out against Portland the team you know that's streaking at the moment on form and lose game one I think that would be the best thing to happen to the Lakers because I think the re- I think maybe it's a case of the whole LA, you know, a lot of people buying into the hype of, you know, them being a Laker and, and all that. Because that roster's, you know, it's fair to say they've done a really good job this year of kind of ego management with the likes of uh, LeBron, AD, Dwight Howard, who's, you know, taken very well to being a role player for one of the mm. first times in his career. But I, I think they their attitude and stuff on the court, their body language isn't good. And I think it's a little bit worrying, but again, again, it's the bubble. And as you mentioned, players like LeBron can really switch it on and off in terms of their intensity and in, in, in playing in these games. So, you know, I think that would be the best thing to happen to the Lakers. And I do think the Lakers would win ultimately, but I think it would be a great test for them. And it would um, make them, I guess, 
but kind of realize the, the kind of competition they're up against in in this Western Conference because one through eight uh, for the Clippers and Lakers to get the first and second seed and to draw the Mavericks and Portland are you know if if we have them winning uh, that's a tough seven and eight seed if you compare that to Brooklyn and Orlando in the East you know different ball game isn't it yeah hundred percent yeah. Yeah, what's, the, uh, what's your prediction then for the, the series? Uh, I'd probably have to win one game. I'd have a 4 1. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, it could be a sweep if, if the Lakers just switch it on, which they possibly might. You, you know, the one thing about LeBron taking a step back is he's probably the most rested he's ever been in his career. So that's mm. a scary uh, thought for if you're a Portland Trailblazers fan. Uh, the next series, it's Clippers versus Mavs. It's Luka time. I'm all in. I'm buying everyone's Luka Doncic stock. I want all of it. I'm in. <laughs> He's the best, one of the best. I'm, I made a list of players that I would take over him at the moment in the league. And it's LeBron, it's AD, it's Kawhi, it's Steph. And I think that's about it. KD. Giannis. Obviously Yanis as well. Oh, Yanis as well. Sorry. There's about six players in total. <laughs> that's it though. Mm. You know, get wow. out of here with Jim Harden get out of here with Russell Westbrooks I don't want any of it give me Luca all day every day I love him he's fantastic he's averaging 29 points 9 rebounds and 9 assists and he's like 21 is he 21 yet even possibly yeah, 21, 22 yeah. 21 years old he the Mavs had the best offensive rating in the league going into the bubble like and he's a three point, he's only shooting like 31, 31% from three that can improve like he's only he's shooting plenty of free throws. He's getting to the line whenever he wants. Porzingis is a lovely, like a really nice second guy for him because he can space the floor for him. But he's also you know can shoot the tree, can can post up if he needs to. Seth Curry's on that team. He can hit big shots if he wants. Boban is really tall, which is great. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be beneficial in some ways. Uh, but I love this matchup. I think the Clippers are in trouble here. I think this could be a possible seven-game series if the Mavs get it right. Um, it's going at least six games, I think, uh, and I'm all in. I'm on the Mavs train. Why not? Am I mad? <laughs> I, I'm not, uh, I guess, as convinced by the Mavs, I'd, I'd say, as yourself. And, and, like, I do see, you know, I won't be too surprised if this goes to six or seven games because, you know, I think you're right in saying like you need to buy up all this Luka Doncic stock before it yeah. goes because this is a future MVP I think we have uh, for, especially from what we've seen this year and in the bubble as well so played really well Kristaps Porzingis as well <clears throat> has been had a really good bubble um, he's put up averaging 30 points a game which is you know very good numbers for him and um, he's really come back after his, his horrific injury uh, as a New York Knicks so um yeah, I, to be honest, the reason why I don't see this going more than five games is because I just think that the the Mavericks, out of all the teams in the Western Conference, have the least depth. Um, because I look at the rest of that roster and I look at, uh, you know, Trey Burke, Dorian Finney-Smith, Seth Curry, JJ Barea. Like, you know, these are players that, you know, would struggle to get in other rotations, I think, some of them anyway. Um, and I think, you know, lo and behold, you know, it's all about your stars in the playoffs and how they step up. But I just think the if they can get Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell to really run that pick and roll and run that second unit in the playoffs, 
Uh, I think they're going to run rampant on whatever second unit the Mavericks put out there. Uh, and I think that could be the difference in these games. So I could see a really big Luka Doncic night taking one game, if not two. But uh, I, I think the Clippers are going to run away with this in five. Four one for me. I, I see all your logical points and your factual base points, but I raise you Luca. So I'm all in. <laughs> I'm going to be back in the Mavs. I'm going to be all over Twitter spamming the Mavs. I'm all in for this series. Let's go, Luca, baby. Love it. Uh, so we disagree there <laughs> quite substantially. Yeah. Uh, the next series is up here with the, the Heat and the Pacers for me, the Nuggets and the Jazz. It's just sort of meh. Um, and this is more a reflection on me as an NBA fan because this is again is a really tight series that could go either way. But I don't know. It's when your best players are big men. I just struggle to kind of get going with it. And like Donovan Mitchell, obviously the Jazz is probably their best player, but uh, he's not. He's been up and down, and he hasn't really like Mitchell hasn't really taken that step that we thought he would from like his first year. Like he was so good. And he just sort of, it's not that he's gotten worse, he's just plateaued a bit and it's not what I was expecting. I don't know if it was what you were expecting, but when it comes to a series like this where it's so nip and tuck, I tend to look at who's got the best player on the court and to me that's Nikola Jokic and it's not that close either. He's come back, he's in fantastic shape, he's lean and he, you know, he's 20 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, like the, the big number there is 7 assists from the centre. The first game they played, they ran him from the point guard, which was just the Nuggets had five players in the court. I think four of them were over seven foot. It was amazing. It was fantastic to watch, and you know he can do it because he's that good. He's the the typical amazing European player. He just comes over and he's just got all the skills. So uh, for me, like the Jazz are good. Don't get me wrong. Mitchell obviously is leading them, but. You know, uh, Bojan Bogdanovic with a sneaky 20 points a game is obviously a, a nice little second offensive option for them. And Gobert on the the Gobert on the defensive side is going to be, a, you know, it's going to be an issue. But I feel like he'll be so concerned with Jokic that it might take him away from stopping maybe other people's shots or stopping other people coming into the paint as much. So I'm going to go with Denver, but this is this is you know a pick 'em for me. I, I'm not quite sure. What do you think? This is yeah. This is my first seven-game series. I think uh, I just think that the Nuggets are the epitome of a seven-game series team in terms of. Um, I think they're really missing Gary Harris on the defensive end to defend the better guards on the other teams because that's what I've noticed is that, um, you know, when they're they're up against really talented guards, they don't really have the type of of, of players to really keep up with the speed of them. Uh, they're a slow team in my eyes, uh, especially Jokic really slows down their offense and just that's just how he how he, he works. That's effective for them. It works. So, you know, they're they're keeping it going obviously. But uh, against the likes of Mike Conley and, and Donovan Mitchell, you know, a one two combination that's going to cause them trouble. You would uh, hope that Gary Harris will return from injury. I think Mike Malone was saying it's kind of day to day evaluation on him and Will Barton as to whether they'll come back, but they'll be important players to kind of come in. But having said that, I think this series is all about Michael Porter Jr. I think he has yeah. been incredible uh, so far in the bubble and has clearly shown uh, that he's probably the number two option on that team, which is mad to think when he was pretty much just a rotation player getting the minutes and the experience in before the bubble. And now, you know, uh, our, I think he's up there, could lead the team in terms of points per game in the bubble. So, 
it just depends on the matchups for him. If he, uh, if if Jokic can cause enough trouble to give Michael Porter Jr. space to take over the game, I think they'll nearly have to put the ball in his hands because Rudy Gobert is obviously going to be a good defensive foil for for Jokic's offensive game. So that's going to be a fascinating matchup. Uh, we'll see who who gets put on Michael Porter Jr. The more I talk about, it, the more I kind of likening the series, even though I can see where you're coming from in terms of. In the in the West and the East, it's probably one of the least exciting matchups. Mm. But uh, I have this going seven games in favor of Denver uh, if they get Gary Harris back and kind of lock down uh, uh, Donovan Mitchell offensively because I think he's the real kind of X factor in this series. If he can really turn it up and and provide for Utah, I think they'll be they'll be within a shout. But you know, if he doesn't show up and and take that leap that we've seen. Uh, in previous uh, playoff games, then I think it's it's Denver's to win. So four three Denver yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point about Michael Porter Jr. as well. Like, there's no doubting his talent and physical abilities. It's just where he can obviously come into the draft. It was injury worries that people were you know a bit low on him. That's why he went probably so late in the draft as he did. But if he can stay injury free, he's going to be he's going to be one of those players that we look back a bit like Giannis, being like, why did he go so late in the draft? The last series then is probably the best storylines um, series of the whole thing because you've got the Rockets versus OKC, like the story with CP3, kind of revenge series on the Rockets. You've got Russ, uh, Russell Westbrook returning to like, play against OKC. Um, the fact that OKC are in this position is just incredible. As we said earlier on, the, no one gave them a chance this year. And it's, it's nice to see... I was always a big Chris Paul fan uh, from when I first started following NBA. Uh, but I felt like he became a bit of an old, angry man in the end of the Clippers and then the, with the Houston. He just didn't seem to be enjoying his basketball. And that seems to have changed now. He's a new lease of life, basically, with this team because it's full of young guys. It seems to be... Like, obviously, he's the massive the vocal point everyone runs through him, which he's happy about, and he gets to bark people around. That's when he's at his happiest. But he's definitely... It's great to see him like that because you couldn't say that he was enjoying life when it came to the Clippers and the, the Rockets, especially towards the end of the Clippers. Um, and it's just great to see that as a, as a, as a, as a, as a Chris Paul fan. Um, I just wanted to give you Harden's averages for the year so far, uh, Johnny. So it's 34 points. He makes four three-pointers a game at 35%. He's seven rebounds, eight assists, two steal attempts. He attempts 12 free throws a game. And do you know what? I wouldn't want him near my team anywhere near it in fact I do not like James Harden I think he is the epitome of great in the regular season but when it comes to you know push comes to shove he does not perform and we've had we've had years of this now we've had the the infamous Rockets Clippers series years ago where Chris Paul was involved actually where the Rockets came back and totally upset it Harden's on the bench for that he is bad stigma is bad news he's a bad smell around the team i don't like him i don't like russell westbrook either i think he's the exact same player their their style of play and what they do does not lend itself to winning in playoffs we've seen it before we will see it again i do not like uh houston i don't like the way they play i'm out in the team and i'm back in okc to win this one did i go too hard on harden (laughs) 
<laughs> no, I don't think so because he's a polarizing player. Uh, you know, there's no one really else in the league like him in terms of his usage. In terms of just you know, it, it's 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 a polarizing team, I suppose you could say. Just they've mm. gone re just deep into this small ball. They don't have a center on the roster. Uh, they they've gone with the likes of Robert Covington and PJ Tucker at the five, uh, and a lot of kind of taller wing players. And unfortunately uh, for the Rockets, it looks like Russell Westbrook will be out two or three games of this series, uh, which it is advantage OKC. You know, a lot of mm. people might have had OKC even without Russell Westbrook, or even with Russell Westbrook, but without him, the load's going to be even more placed on Harden. You know, his efficiency will be there. I, You know, I see where you come from, Harden. I think a Harden, a bit of credit has to be given to him defensively because I think he's really improved defensively. I've seen some bubble games and I've seen him guard bigger players and actually do a pretty decent job on them. But having said that, you know, if he's going to be carrying this load offensively, you can't really expect any sort of defensive uh, effort from Harden because, unfortunately, that's not how it works. So, you know, the whole small ball thing with Stephen Adams on the other end of the floor and his rebounding rate and looking at... Uh, you know, aside from uh, Harden and Westbrook, there's only one other player in that Rockets team that averages more than five rebounds a game, and that's worrying. So I feel like OKC are going to dominate them on the glass. Chris Paul, you mentioned there, playing some of the best basketball in his career, and Shea Gilgis Alexander, a really good uh, second guard to have there. And I, I've just gone seven. I do think the Rockets will push them close, especially when Westbrook comes back. I've maybe OKC winning. Uh, the early games, uh, but I'd probably have the Thunder winning the series as well, 4-3. Yeah, and like, uh, the reason I dislike Harden that so much, it's not it's not even the Houston style of play, it's not fun to watch, don't get me wrong, but I don't mind the small ball thing, and I'm always, I'm all for like, trying something new and all that. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, when I look at, because I don't, I don't have a team, I don't support a certain team, well I support Mavs now, but uh, no, I'm, I'm joking with that, it's because <laughs> I like, I follow players who, I love watching play and I love players who make their teammates better. And that's why I'm big on Luca. Luca makes the Mavericks better across the board. LeBron was always amazing at that as well. Great players do that. No one benefits from playing with Harden. I don't think anyone benefits from playing with Westbrook. In fact, it took away, as we've seen, from KD. I think we all agree KD should have won more than one MVP. It's amazing that he did win one. But Westbrook was out half that year. Like this stuff of the stats are amazing and the triple doubles and all that, it's great, but it doesn't lead lend itself to anything when it comes to push comes to shove because teams, if you're playing the Rockets a few games in a row, like Harden, let Harden get his 35 points. It doesn't make a difference because no one else in the team is, as you say there, but no one's averaging more than five rebounds apart from the two boys or one player is. That's because feckin' Westbrook is rushing in from 40 yards to try and steal them. Like, it's just, I don't like it, and I never have. I, I think they're overrated players. Like, the the Thunder was definitely held back by Westbrook for years because of, like, it was so obvious as well. There'd been a game, and it'd be the last few seconds, and he'd just pull up from 30 feet and try and hit a three-pointer, and he's not a good three-point shooter. He has never been and never will be. And it's just such blatant obviousness that, like, these things are just not working, and yet you know, we we praise Harden to be one of the best players in the league. And, you know, statistically he is. But like I said, I, if I was a fan of a team, I wouldn't want him anywhere near my team personally. But um, I felt very strongly about this, Johnny, as you can tell. And I've been <laughs> waiting to get on a podcast to talk about Absolutely, it. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, I think, well, yeah, I forgot nearly about the fact that Westbrook could be missing a few games. So that's going to be mm. 
massive. So I see. I think OKC are going to win this, and uh, I'm going to go with six. But Harden probably going to average like 38 points a game or something ridiculous, and they yeah. won't make a difference. So uh, I, I I'm going to go four two OKC. And I hope they do because it'd be great to see them get through to the next round because. Like I said, no one expected them to be here, and it's exactly what they deserve uh, coming coming into this. Um, I think again, if this wasn't in the bubble, I, it would be even better for OKC because of the fact that they ha- they would have had home advantage in that. So the the Rockets are, you know, benefiting in that sense that they don't have to go to OKC because OKC is a good crowd. It's it's intimidating, but that's obviously not going to be the case in Orlando. But um, that's our Western Conference, uh, Johnny. We'll do just a quick recap as well, just in case anyone wants to uh, hear them. So the Lakers, Lakers Blazers, I think well, I said four, I think I said four one. I can't remember if I said four one or four two now. Four two, uh, I think. It, I think you had four two and I had four one. Okay, that was it. Sorry, yeah. If it's the Grizzlies, I have the Lakers sweeping them. Mm-hmm, uh, personally, uh, I just don't think they have enough firepower. Uh, the next then was obviously Clippers Mavs. I've got the Mavs in seven. I'm going to switch that now. The Mavs in seven. Uh, I think uh, you had you had a disrespectful four one towards the Clippers. <laughs> disrespectful to my boy Luca. So I'm gonna well, when you get back, we'll get you back on for the second round, and I'm gonna yeah. shove that in your face. Uh, Nuggets Jazz. I think I said. I think we both did. We both agree this is going to be a seven game series. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think Denver is just going to sneak it. I yep. think 4 3. Uh, and Rockets OKC, I'm going to go with the Thunder and 6. I think you said Thunder and 7. 7, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, Johnny, that's great. Fantastic. Uh, appreciate you coming on as always. What we'll, Yeah, we'll try and get you back on for the second round if you'd be up for it. Um, Absolutely. And uh, we can see who was wrong and who was right. Probably you're going to be right and I'm going to be wrong. But, <laughs> um, you know, you don't, it's NBA, you know, analysts. You don't need to be right. You just need to be. You know, loud and brash about it. So you just need the ability, just need the ability to be able to destroy all of this audio footage. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and I own the audio footage, so it's all there good. You go. <laughs> <laughs> this will cease to exist if the Clippers yeah. uh, sweep the Mavs. This, this won't be going up. Uh, Johnny, thanks very much. And um, yeah, look, no uh, we'll give socials. Uh, obviously, follow the page on Twitter, guys at None Underscore Podcast, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube is all Master of None. Um, subscribe to the YouTube channel guys because we are putting up quite a lot of snippets now um, and it's, I'm enjoying making the YouTube videos as well so uh, Johnny do you want to plug your own socials for yourself or are you happy enough to um, I, well I think I'll probably get back into writing now once the playoffs hit okay. out because I have watched a lot of basketball in, in the last week or two uh, so yeah I will be posting articles over on AtlanticSports.ie hopefully over the next couple of weeks I feel like I've gone through a bit of a creative block just given the uh, pandemic and everything that we've gone through so uh yeah no credit credit given to you for for keeping the podcast going with your uh coverage of the super rugby and yeah thank god for rugby man or else (laughs) and formula Um, one i see as well amy tweeting about that as well so after yeah i'd love to do a formula one podcast but um i don't i don't know too many people that are into it Um, and my brother actually brother's a massive formula one fan so I'll oh we might have him. to hook yeah we might have to hook yeah. something up with that because no <laughs> one wants to hear me ramble on about f1 on my own so uh but yeah definitely and would, yeah more nba now coming up as well which is great and then hopefully some nfl soon as well absolutely um, that's great well, johnny thank you very much for joining us and we'll chat you soon no problem thanks for having me